Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Eric Seeds. What's up, Seeds? What's up, Will? So last week it was it was just PD and me, and we were like, yeah, you know, we're getting we're kind of getting roped into uh, this this March thing that the Jackets do, where they start to kind of look good and maybe get on a run. You know, at the time. They had just won two games over Carolina. I was like, you want to win at least one more against the Hurricanes, but... And when bad things happen, who's here to talk them down? (laughs) So against the Hurricanes, I I mean, last Monday was a dud. I think you recapped that loss, so we were going at you on Twitter a little bit, like, oh, what's, what's wrong with the Jackets? But no, seriously, though, they looked good. I recapped the game on Thursday. They looked all right, but of course, they couldn't get the win, and the overtime stunk, but... I remember watching their first power play, and I was like, wow. Did, I mean, they didn't score on it, but Carolina's power play was awful. Columbus had a pretty decent power play, and I was like, wow, did these teams like change locker rooms or get that magic juice, like the magic water from uh, Space Jam or something? But, of course, the Blue Jackets did not get two points, and they didn't get any points against Detroit. They go into Detroit. Not that any win is guaranteed, but you're supposed to win both those games. They not only lose both, they don't get a point at all, they flat out laid an egg. That's just putting it nicely. They The Red Wings skated circles around Columbus. Brian Hedger said the same thing yesterday in a tweet. But Detroit outplayed. They outscored them. Yeah, 7-2, to right? Against Columbus in two games. They got outshot. They, they only had like five shots on goal yeah. 30 minutes in. There's no other way to say it other than... Any goodwill this team earned by their performance against Carolina, they flat out pissed it away against the Detroit Red Wings this weekend. You know, PD, the ever the eternal optimist on this on this podcast and on the site, summed it up nice and nice and simply in his headline from yesterday's recap. Uh, the Blue Jackets threw in the towel on this season. To start off the weekend, the Columbus Blue Jackets, building on all of that momentum they gained from taking five of six point or five of eight points against the Carolina Hurricanes were outchanced 24-6 to in the first period against the Red Wings on Saturday afternoon. I mean, and that's just a five-on-five. Five. Like, that's absolutely pathetic. Detroit had 52 attempts on goal to uh, Columbus's 35 for the game, and it led to 
Columbus performing, not only performing poorly, but the team's like was late to all of their uh, media appointments because they had a, uh, it was reported they had a team meeting post game, you know, close the doors, you know, re, you know, guys, we, we, you know, we're in, we're in the thick of this. We, we need to perform yeah. better. We need to do this. And what did they do on Sunday to come out and uh, bounce back from that tough loss against Detroit? They got shelled again. The Columbus had five shots on net halfway through the game on Sunday afternoon. I mean, that's one one shot at one shot every six minutes. The, the first goal they gave up Sunday afternoon, Detroit walks it in. There's four red wing or there's four blue jacket players around the single red wing. Who's probably just at that point, clo- like skating it in, looking to take a shot and get it, get off for a change. And Columbus somehow not only lets him get skate to the high slot and get a shot off, yeah. uh, Gabriel Carlson screens his own goalie and lets it in the puck ends up in the back of the net. Like what is this team? There, there is no logical defense for what this team is doing. Any good, any goodwill and momentum they had from that Carolina series is out the window. Especially now, you know, as you as you guys are listening to this, Tampa, Tampa tonight, Tampa again on Thursday, Florida, Florida, Tampa, Tampa. Like you're like the like you needed to bank four points in that Detroit series at minimum, take three of four to remain in this. Especially now that Nashville has suddenly. F- playing like their president's trophy winners. They're like nine and one against Chicago and Columbus. Right. This team has a mystifying ability when they are playing someone they should beat or when they desperately need points against an inferior on paper opponent to just magically crap their pants and not take advantage. It's it. You can only have so many conversations about we need to be better. There's no quit on this team. It sure looked like there was a lot of quit in this team on that third period on Saturday as you gave or on Sunday as you gave up goals to the Red Wings, two of them empty netters. It sure looked like this team was just giving up. Here on recording night, which is, of course, Monday night, the Blue Jackets enter play just one win ahead of the Red Wings and six points ahead of the Central Division basement. As you said, Nashville is now in fourth. They've passed Chicago and, of course, Columbus. And, yeah, the Predators have, like, nine wins, I think, against the Central Division and nine against just Chicago and Columbus alone. We're seventh in the division by points percentage. We are ahead of only Detroit. Yeah, watch Detroit pass them or something. We're a minus 26 in goal differential. Yeah, you know, they, they had, like, I think both for, I, mean, I don't know exactly. I think they had. That's worse than New Jersey. That's worse than San Jose. The Jackets might have had three shots in the first period yesterday, or Sunday, rather. Regardless, they had, like, two shots on goal for most of the first periods in both days. Did they not show up for the 3 o'clock game? No, they didn't. I, I fundamentally don't understand how this team can say you know you have a post-game meeting on Saturday you can come out and say you can have Seth Jones come out and say that was unacceptable you can have Nick Foligno come out and say that was unacceptable you can have Torch come out and say I'm freaking mad whatever nonsense Tortorella spouted and then 24 hours later you do it again at some point doesn't urgency take over don't you just have to come out and say like, like, where is where is a person in this locker room who's just going to stand up and say, I'm freaking mad. Let's do something about it. Like, you know, we've got a lot of quiet guys or, you know, guys who are reserved in in, in, a, in this locker room. But like, I, I, I don't want I, I, I miss a guy. This roster misses a guy like Artemi Panarin. 
someone with a high motor who's been driven since he was a little kid by, you know, there, there, we had that story of that Tom Reed wrote about how Panarin was, you know, wearing skates three sizes too big and had shoes in his skates. But that's a kid with a high motor and a high lack of give a shit. And he's just out there, you know, he, you know, you never, you never really saw Panarin take a shift off. You never really saw him take a game off. And it just looks like this team, when when push comes to shove, this team is getting shoved around. You know, Detroit beat them to 50-50 pucks. Detroit was beating them all over the ice. Detroit, this this we saw on Sunday, this team was just in, in a response game with a playoff berth potentially on the line. You know, their playoff lives on the line here, not mathematically, but it sure felt like emotionally. This team was getting pushed around. They were getting hemmed in in their defensive zone. They looked listless out there. They were, you know, chasing the puck, watching the puck. El- poor Elvis, you know, gave up two goals on Sunday, gets hung with a loss, and I don't feel like, he, you know, there was nothing more that guy could do out there. This team just looks so disinterested in this season. I'm sure COVID has a lot to do with it. These guys are, you know, they're being forced to go through all these protocols and all this testing and travel restrictions and they're not able to go out with the boys, but at some point, don't you just have to say, guys, well, we're, we're better than this. Every other team's dealing I, with the same thing. I know, thing. and sure. that's why I don't want to use it as an excuse, but mother of God, what is this organization doing at this point? Discombobulation, it seems like, is the Blue Jackets' motto. And they just look, like, like you mentioned You mentioned to me in the Slack, like, they look listless. Like, why don't you, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, so they have... For some reason, and PD and I were talking about this last week, they always seem to play down to their competition and up to their competition. So while I fully expect them to get swept by Tampa Bay, I also feel like they're probably going to look all right just because, well, A, you can't be much worse than you were against Detroit. But, and even if they do somehow magically win both games against Tampa, I am not going to suddenly get sucked back in. I have learned my lesson this time. At first, I learned my lesson about not giving up, but this time it's like they're flawed. No matter what happens, I don't care if they beat Tampa. They are too inconsistent. They can't even beat Detroit. Not only could they not beat Detroit, they couldn't even show up. I mean, they literally didn't even show up for either game. After a team meeting and... There's just no, yeah, Seth Jones or Felino, whatever they want to say, it doesn't matter. That's just talk. It's just hearsay. You got to prove it. Right. At this point, I'm tired of the guys just talking like, you know, all you, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's talk. You know, well, we, we need, we know we need to do better. There's no quit in this organization. There's no quit among these group of guys. But get out there and show it at this point. Yeah. I'm tired of the same old platitudes of how this group's really tight and we believe in one another and we believe in this organization and we're, like, get out there and do something about it then at that rate. Like, how many times are you going to let your, how many times are you going to let yourselves get pushed off the puck in the neutral zone by a team that's blatantly trying to tank that the, the NHL basically just changed the lottery rules for because you've been because they've been hosed so many times. They're trying to get a bottom five or get a top five pick, and you're just and they you just let them push you around for forty eight solid hours. Like even if you're going to lose games, at least 
show that you care that you lost and not just talk about it, but actually do something. Do a get a spark going. Do something on the ice. Right. You, you pick up. You know, I'm not. I'm not a proponent of fighting, but you know, pick a fight. Start a scrum. Do something to show that you're actually yeah. mentally engaged in this hockey game. Like. Like I'm not like I said I'm not a big proponent of fighting. I I am on record as saying I would like to see it banned from the league. But as so long as it's banned, maybe maybe you know start a scrum. You know snow snow picker. You know he hasn't played a game since 2018. Snow him and you know force a scrum in front of the net and see if it rattles him and you you can get a rebound. It's like it's not like you got beat by prime Dominic Hashi. You got beat by a guy who hasn't won back to back games in four years. He won his first game in like what three seasons? How do you let Calvin Picard? dominate you like he is Patrick Waugh or Dominic Hoshik. Like, what was going on? Is it the 3 o'clock? I don't even care about the start time. I don't care that it's a back-to-back. How do you get... You're right. You're a professional athlete. How are you How are you not ready for a 3 o'clock start? <laughs> what are you, what's, what's so wrong about a 3 o'clock start that you can't get up for it? Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say other than this is just... Ineptitude. The last thing I'll say about this weekend is it's the latest in uh, a long, long line of evidence this season that this organization needs to take a hard look in the mirror, recognize the assets it has that other teams could possibly want and reload at the deadline. They, this is not a playoff team. Even if by some re, some miracle they were go to, going to go into the playoffs, this is not a contender. The organization needs to, I hate to say wave the white flag, but they need to take some time to themselves. Wave the white to flag. Re, to re, yeah, they need to, they need to wave the white flag, trade, trade players who are valued by other organizations and reload for the future. This is this doesn't need to be a total teardown and rebuild if it is done correctly and with commitment. And I want to see the organization do that going forward. I mean, if David Savard is actually wanted, let him go. Nick Felino, bye. Like I have nothing against right. Felino the person. He's a great, you know, great guy, all that. You're not gonna go anywhere with right now with him on the ice or off the ice. You may as well trade him if you can get something for him. Right. It's it's and it, like like a David Savard. It's pretty well established that David Savard's next contract will not come from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And with Nashville suddenly clawing their way back into playoff contention, now, right now they're in a playoff spot. It makes it more likely that they keep Eckholm and Ellis at the deadline because wouldn't they want them for their own playoff experience? Yeah. And Florida just lost Keeping Aaron those Ekblad. Two guys, keep, right. And Florida just lost Aaron Eckblad. Keeping those two guys... Or, you know, with with that, it makes David Savard's trade value really high. Even Elliot Friedman in 31 Thoughts on Monday afternoon made a comment that uh, Tampa Bay is sniffing around. Uh, uh, don't you think a right. nice – and it's it's rumored that Winnipeg really wants a defenseman and would really like to have David Savard. Wouldn't a nice little bidding war between Florida, Tampa, and uh, Winnipeg – really kind of set you up for the future if you can get a prospect and a pick or a really high pick for David Savard. I want to see this organization commit to building towards the future because clearly this is a lost season. That's what I'm going to be watching for as a result of this past weekend. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to wait with bated breath every day. Is John Tortorella going to be fired? Is you know, I'm not going to wait for you know the the line deployment in minutes every night. I want to see what plan this organization comes out with over the next couple weeks that will help them develop uh, reload into contender status in the future. Because clearly, what they have right now is not working.
interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the current Blue Jackets if they are traded elsewhere. I wouldn't mind seeing them win. Like Felino, if he gets a cup somewhere, that'd be right, cool. If, right, if Felino, if Felino, like Toronto's been rumored for him. If he went to Toronto and won a cup, good for him. He just, you know, I'm not going to begrudge him that. That's good no for way. him. I, I, I'd, I'd begrudge the leave. I'd begrudge the leaves winning a cup, but. Um, but I'm not going to begrudge David Savard going on a run in Winnipeg or you know, right. Florida, wherever. I don't good for them. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a business and I want to see the business I cheer for do the correct things to help them get to that next level. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, whether it's the next level or just whatever it is for now, a lot of roster activity. So to just recap really fast, Liam Foody has been added to the taxi squad from Cleveland. Cam Johnson, the backup goaltender, is back on the taxi squad with Ryan McKinnis. And of course, Johnson came up over the weekend with Corpus Allo going down. It sounds like Corpus Allo's back and should be good to go, it sounds like. And then, of course, Scott Harrington has been placed on waivers, so I don't know if we saw that coming. I mean, it's not really surprising when you think about it, but it actually happens. So maybe he's in Cleveland or maybe he's maybe he's on the taxi squad. Maybe someone claims him. Fingers crossed. But we uh, so I think I'll, I'll kind of address them in reverse order. I think the Scott Harrington waiver is to get Michael Lettinen on the Lettinen, Lettinen, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, to get him to get him onto the active roster and maybe get him a game after we claimed him from the Toronto organization. That's be- basically my best guess with it. Scott Harrington's only played in six games this year. So be it. If we if we lose him, we lose him. If he's in if he's on the taxi squad, so be it. Corpusalo returning would be huge i guess you know it's he's a better he's a more reliable option than cam johnson we don't really know what the corpus Allo injury was he was just given that that was kind of a surprise that he was placed on or that he was out this weekend uh didn't i didn't ever see him get hurt i didn't i don't know if it was a practice injury or just something nagging that finally flared up 
but it's nice to see him back. He at least is a reliable option. And um, per Pierre Lebrun this morning, the Blue Jackets are listening to offers on both goaltenders. So if he's healthy, that ups his trade value if someone comes calling for him. Then with Liam Foodie being recalled to the taxi squad uh, from Cleveland, I know he was he was injured in Cleveland for a while, but now he is healthy he's played a couple games up there and with him being recalled to the taxi squad i don't want him to just sit on the taxi squad as a reserve if you're going to have him there i really 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 hope they not only find a way to get him in the lineup over someone like a ryan mckinnis or a stefan mateau no no disservice to those guys but foodie was a first round pick for a reason i want to see that guy in the lineup but i also want to see him in a lineup with a position to succeed. I don't want to see him just stable to the fourth line, get nine minutes a night, get mashed up against the brain point line, and then just, you know, get scratched the next night because he didn't succeed because he wasn't in a position to succeed. I want to see him, you know, maybe get a, maybe get a couple, you know, 30 seconds on a, a second unit power play. Maybe, maybe have him play a shift or two with uh Roslevic and Bjorkstrand or Roslevic and line a, however it works out, you know, see, see if the kid can, you know, use his speed and his uh, skill to kind of, you know, make a difference on on a roster that's desperately hurting for offense at this point. I, I'm, so I guess in kind of reverse order, I'm really, really excited about the foodie move and we'll see what happens. If the Blue Jackets do what they seem to always do, they're going to play well against Tampa and Florida. It's going to be a very brutal schedule the rest of the way, but watch them. I don't know if they'll win these games, but maybe they'll at least show heart that we wanted to see after the, the Detroit games. But yeah, even if they somehow squeak in, they're not going anywhere. They're a first-round exit. That's what they always are. They're a bubble team anyway, even at their best. Right. Shows, I, I want to see, yeah, just down the line, like this is a this is rapidly becoming a lost season. And I know I'm, I'm seen as probably the most pessimistic writer on the site, probably with good reason. I that, That's a personal problem that I'm working through. But I... <laughs> <laughs> I want I desperately want this team to succeed and I just I want them to think long term and I don't want I don't want them to make moves because John McConnell and Mike Priest are dictating we need butts and seats for the playoffs or whatever. Like that's I don't want them to think that short term. I want them to think long term down the road. And if missing the playoffs this year and getting some picks and playing the prospects, letting letting Alex Texier get consistent left wing minutes with, you know, Max Domi or Jack Roslovic, waiting letting uh, Liam Foody get consistent experience and play through some mistakes. I want to see something that's going to benefit the organization going forward. And I frankly just want to see them, you know, care on the ice. Cause I, I hate to keep harping on this past weekend, but they didn't look like they cared on the ice against Detroit. And that, that to me is the biggest thing. Like I can, I can take losses. I've God knows we, we as blue jackets fans have seen enough of them over the years. What I can't stomach is losses where it just doesn't appear that you care. There's no, there's no fight. There's no, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of talk for a second about what it's like being a Los Angeles Rams fan. I went, you know, when I was nine years old, I saw the Rams win a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk. That was awesome. It's probably one of the highlights of my football career 
uh, watching football. And then after they lost to New, after they lost to Tom Brady and started the New England dynasty, I went through a decade of you know four to six win seasons, and, it, and you, j- you just saw a lot of games out there where the team would be competitive for a quarter, they'd have one break go against them, and then they just shut down. And the co- the team the team would uh, fold under pressure. The coaching staff would just stare blankly ahead because they had no answers. The quarterback had no answer. The and then the and it was just a domino effect from there. And that's just kind of the vibe I got from this team, from the Columbus Blue Jackets this past weekend. Is you know they 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 played okay against Detroit you know there were they they might not have had shots on goal themselves for the first five minutes of the first period on Sunday but they didn't allow any for Detroit and they kind of played this back and forth game then there was this one breakdown where one Red Wing scored against four Blue Jackets basically because no one decided to stop the puck you know everyone decided to sag back and play defense and no one stopped the puck from advancing and then it just all kind of collapsed and it snowballed from there into a four to one loss and that's not okay. That 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 shows illness, and that major restructuring needs changed. And the Rams were able to build out of it because they committed to a vision. They committed to a, they committed to a general manager and a coaching staff who shared an equal vision of where what they wanted to be, where they wanted to go, and what they needed to do to get there. And I want to see the Columbus Blue Jackets take those exact same steps. If they believe, if the organization believes Yarmo is the guy, then Yarmo needs to build around an organization then he needs to build around a coach and a roster that he believes and that they collectively believe can take those next steps and develop forward and i that's what i'm most looking forward to the rest of the year you know you mentioned i think you mentioned jack roslevic and i was thinking about how after kind of a hot start he has two goals both against detroit in like a month's span so what do you think i mean he's gotten some assists but he's not really scoring like he kind of was no, and that, and I think part of it is you know you're you're kind of a guy who um, obviously he's a Columbus kid, he was a junior jacket. He's gonna be really excited to come home, and it probably shot of adrenaline, you know, was really good for him. You know, it was you know I, I can't blame him, but for a guy who didn't have a training camp, for a guy who didn't have you know he was, he was skating on his own, he didn't have any game experience until he came to Columbus, and he was basically just thrown into the fire immediately. He's got 21 points in 29 games. I mean, that's uh, 0.72 points a game. For reference, Pierre-Luc Dubois' best season, he was 0.74 points per game. I Do I think he's a first-line center long-term for this club? No, I, I really don't think he is. I think, I think you know, guys like McDavid and Eichel and Austin Matthews are first-line centers in the NHL. Can Rosslevic like be a solid... Right. But can but can Roslovic be a solid middle six, you know, maybe a second line or a middle six guy on a really good hockey team? Yeah, I think he could be. I, you know, I'm willing to give him another offseason here, an offseason where he conditions with the team, practices, learns the system, learns his teammates, actually develops chemistry, hopefully with a consistent line going forward. I think he could be a real asset for this organization. Like I was kind of down on the Roslovic acquisition because I thought it was just, he's a Columbus kid. Let's bring him back to Columbus. And he's honestly impressed me. I've, I've been really happy with him. Like, yeah, he, he, he has shown, he has shown me more than I expected. Like he right now is only, 
he's only eight points behind his career high points in a season. Like I have, I have been really impressed with Jack Roslevic and I, I am willing to eat some crow on that because I did not think he would perform well in Columbus. I'm, I'm very happy with that acquisition at this point. The Blue Jackets also signed Tyler Engel today. Did you see that? Any thoughts on him? I'll be honest. I don't really have many thoughts on him. Um, this is this is where I wish Elaine could I could phone a friend and call Elaine for a couple minutes, but just to talk about him. Shout out Elaine. Yeah, shout shout out Elaine. We miss you. So yeah, uh, yeah. I saw they signed Tyler Angle uh, to an ELC um, per his Elite Prospects page. He's got seven points in six games down in Cleveland. Uh, he has sixty seven points in sixty two games in, for the Windsor Spitfires in nineteen twenty. So he, it looks like he's okay. Obviously, small sample size is small again uh, in Cleveland this year, but. Hopefully he gets more of a run down there, gets, uh, you know, he gets uh, some opportunity down there. He was a seventh round pick in 2019, so it's not like the organization has a ton invested in him. But uh, hopefully, you know, good for him. I'm, you know, he's only 20 years old. Good for him. I'm, you know, I, I'll never begrudge a kid. I'll never begrudge a kid uh, achieving their dream and getting signed to a professional contract. So hope, good for Tyler Angle. I hope it works out and he becomes the next Alex Ovechkin. I hope so. The next Ovechkin scores lots of goals. He'll be a Hall of Famer, brings the cup to Columbus. No, we're just wishful thinking. But hey, you never know. Uh, <laughs> Stranger things have happened. It, that's true. Final thoughts about anything? I'm, I'm ready for baseball season for what that's worth. Oh, uh, you're excited to watch the Cubs this year? <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited just for baseball being back. And yeah, the way it works is I'm really excited. And then the first horrible game or blown save, I'm just pissed off for like a day. But the next day, it's a new game, ready to get back at it. So so I actually have a final thought. And it could, and it's, and it's and it, at least we're not. Will, do you have thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres? We cannot let this podcast go without the Buffalo Sabres. My comment yesterday after the horrible games against Detroit was we're still better than Buffalo. And that still reigns true for what that's worth. I want to I want to shout out Sean McIndoe at, at Down Goes Brown from The Athletic uh, for bringing this to my attention in his column on Monday morning. He brought he brought this tweet to my attention from at Andy Proven on February 25th. If you had bet $100 on the New Jersey Devils at minus 120 to beat the Sabres and then every day you you, then you took those winnings and bet them against the Sabres. And you repeated that process every day of the Sabres now 0-15-2 winning, uh, losing streak as we record this podcast. You would have made $74,961 just by betting against the Buffalo Sabres every night. That's crazy. Blows my mind that – because Buffalo signed Taylor Hall this year. That organization is a dumpster Broken. fire and like and like i i legitimately feel bad for buffalo fans like you know columbus columbus fans we've had it tough over the years buffalo is consistently one of the highest rated markets on any game in in nbc airs on any national tv game buffalo those those fans in that town love hockey and they care and that organization for the last 10 years has done nothing but take a dump on them and it is culminating in a season where right now they are they have six wins. They have half the wins of the Detroit Red Wings. And again, they signed Taylor Hall. Jack Eichel is out for the year. Jeff Skinner, the $9 million man Jeff Skinner, has like three goals this season. I just feel so bad for the Buffalo Sabres fans. Um, don't super feel bad for the organization. Don't because they've mismanaged that situation so terribly. The Pagulas are terrible owners. 
but I just feel bad for Buffalo fans, and I just couldn't let this whole podcast go without mentioning the Sabres. Now, the Sabres, we, like I said, we're recording this Monday night. The Sabres play the free-falling Philadelphia Flyers tonight and Wednesday. The Flyers are healthy scratching Carter Hart because he needs to, per his coach today in a press conference, quote, focus on saving or focus on stopping the puck. So um, it should be an incredibly interesting two-game set between those two teams. No, I think Philadelphia still beats Buffalo. Nothing can save Buffalo. I, I read a, uh, there was a, I want to say it was a, I want to say it was an athletic power ranking where they, they ranked the, where they, they're in their power rankings this week. They ranked Buffalo, the boat stuck in the Suez Canal and the Philadelphia Flyers. I was just remembering my, 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 uh, fantasy hockey roster has Jeff Skinner and Jeff Skinner is broken also. It's an interesting season in the NHL this year. Um, honestly, the, the central playoff race is the only playoff race worth watching. Every other division is kind of locked up at this point. So the fact that Columbus still has a chance despite all of their struggles is a testament to, I don't know, it's a testament to how bad the middle to bottom of the, it's a testament to how bad the bottom to middle of the central is and a testament to the yeah. merits of the Bettman loser point. So thank you, Gary Bettman, for keeping the uh, NHL season interesting. Yeah, ineptitude. And yeah, it's like, who wants it? You know, it's funny because before the season, a lot of Blackhawks fans were not feeling good about their team. I would feel better right now about the Blackhawks going forward than the Blue Jackets, at least from Chicago standpoint. They actually have, well, you have Patrick Kane, certain guys like that that can score, but but they also have guys to build right, around. Exactly. And with Columbus, is Line going to be here long term? I watched that game. I watched that game against Nashville last night. They've got Pia Suter yeah. uh, on the roster. Kirby Doc just came back from IR. Alex DeBrinket looks incredible. Everyone in the league had a chance to take him. Uh, who else is on that roster? Uh, Kane, <laughs> Strom. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, Patty Kane. Uh, they're having they're they're playing this whole season without Jonathan Daves. Yeah. Like, don't don't you feel better about the Chicago right now than you do Columbus? When when most of it's this off season, you know, I'll I'll end the podcast on this note. It feels like this is a massive off season for Columbus with a lot of reckoning going forward. Seth Jones can start negotiating his next start negotiating his next contract. Pa- uh, Patrick Line and Zach Korinsky are RFAs after next season. Max Domi has one year left on his deal. Guys like Felino are up. If uh, John Tortorella is obviously out of a contract and will presumably move on, although I hesitate to say that we will see what happens going forward. It feels like there is a ma- it, it feels like this, this last 20 games is going to set the stage for a massive reckoning this summer. And I look forward to seeing what on I what I can glean from an on ice performance these next twenty games to learn about the organization's off season plans. They have a lot on their plate, so we'll have to see how the Blue Jackets manage to figure all that out. <laughs> I don't envy the uh, I don't and en- I don't want to be Yarmo right now. He's gonna have to figure out and fix this thing once and for all. We'll see what they do against Tampa Bay tomorrow night, but I'm not as high on the team right now as I was a week ago. <laughs> I think me and PD's optimism, our, our, our optimism broke them, but that'll do it for us this week. At CBJ Cannon on Twitter, Facebook. Check us out at jacketscannon.com, and we'll see you next time.
Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howling Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.